Hey guys, Pete Mundo, thanks for checking out the show. Appreciate it. And if you want a free Heartland College Sports koozie, all you got to do is rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and we'll get a koozie in the mail for you. Email me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much, guys. Enjoy the show. We'll talk to you soon. Third and goal at the three. And Iowa State moved at the snap. Skyler Thompson to the goal line. Touchdown. I can feel it coming on now as the music plays. Taking shots with the night out. He's at the Baylor 35, the 30, the 25, the 20. It's a foot race to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. He goes again. David Sills with a 53-yard touchdown reception. We're going all night long, everybody And the Cyclones win it. They have knocked off the number four TCU Hard Frogs. This is not some mirage. When the sun goes he just kept trying to catch him, and he just kept running away from him. It's 81 yards for McCleskey on the grab. Locked it down the middle for Rodney. It's caught at the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. It's a touchdown! So a lot has understandably so been made about what was a tough uh, weekend for the Big 12 in the NCAA tournament. But I, I don't think it means anything other than the Big 12 was what a lot of us thought it was all season long. Did not have the top-heavy contenders, but it was really deep. Hey, it's Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks, as always, for joining us, for being a part of the show. We appreciate you Hopping on board. So, you know, the Big 12 ends up with five of its six teams ousted in the opening weekend, not opening round, opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. And if you Google, you know, I always Google different Big 12 terms just to make sure I'm not missing anything in the news cycle, whether it's teams or players or just Big 12 in general or Big 12 news, whatever it might be. So I hop on Google and I searched Big 12 news on. I guess that was Tuesday. And I start finding all these articles popping up about how, oh, the Big 12 had a bad weekend. And this one article in particular stood out to me. Dave Scretta, AP basketball writer. And his article was picked up by a lot of different outlets. It was in the Roanoke Times. It was in uh, Boston 25 News. And it was kind of tongue-in-cheek in almost a, a douchey manner where he wrote about the Big 12 Conference and how, oh, the Big 12 always thinks it's high and mighty. And look what happened this year. Let me read you a couple of highlights from this this piece, AP reporter, on how the Big 12 had five of six NCAA tournament teams end up losing on the opening weekend. says here, Bill Self pointed out that the impressive non-conference wins the conference had racked up back in November and December. Self highlighted the fact that the league had four of the top seven teams when it came to strength of schedule, including his Jayhawks at number one. Well, so much for that. And he goes on to write here. The first weekend of the NCAA tournament was a slap in the face to a league that habitually considers itself the toughest in college basketball. 
Regular season co-champion K-State beat by UC Irvine in the biggest first-round upset. Big 12 tournament champ Iowa State lost to Ohio State in what it may have been the second biggest upset. Okay, hang on a second here. Let's pump the brakes. First off, that was all written, as I mentioned, AP writer Dave Scretta. Last year, and he fairly points this out, but last year they had four teams in the Sweet 16 and three teams in the Elite Eight. And you can argue that West Virginia or Texas Tech, had they not run into the buzzsaw that was the Villanova Wildcats, they would have been in a Final Four. Both of those teams, you could have argued, were Final Four worthy one season ago. Tech gave Villanova its best game of the tournament. But for Scredder to sit here and say, well, it's so much for the Big 12. They always think they're so good. And uh, look what happened to him this year. I guess he doesn't listen to the show because one week ago, I said the Big 12 conference was a very deep conference in basketball, just like football, but it did not have that top-tier contender. They didn't have a one seed. There was no two seed. They had a three seed in Texas Tech, which is still hanging around. And then everybody else is gone. Yes, there were upsets. I understand that. It's not great for the conference. It's a one-and-done tournament. And this just happens to be a chalk year. The one, two, and three seeds in every region are going to the Sweet 16. That's not good for the upsets in the first weekend that we all like to see, but it's probably better for the NCAA when it comes to TV ratings to have the one, the two, and the three seed all still competing in the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. That's a good thing for the tournament. And guess what? The Big 12 didn't have a one seed or a two seed or a three seed that got knocked out early. Yeah, they had a four, they had a five, they had a six. But to say that this is shocking and to sit here and say, well, you know, the Big 12, boy, those guys are not as good as we thought. K-State was banged up. K-State had no Dean Wade. And on top of that, you know, the Wildcats might have been worn down by being Big 12 co-champions and not having a lot of depth on that team. Iowa State, you know, that was disappointing. And those conference tournament wins either end up with a team then flying through the NCAA tournament, or they end up with a hangover effect. They're tired. They were enjoying the Big 12 tournament win. That can always go one of two ways. And Iowa State, you know, they went 9-9 and in conference play. Let's not forget that here. Iowa State was not a top-tier team in the Big 12 this year. They weren't. They were good. But they got hot for a week in the conference championship. That happens. But Iowa State was not a uh, flame carrier for the Big 12 Conference this year. Nobody said, you know, they were good, but nobody sat there and said, geez, Iowa State, that's the cream of the crop in the Big 12. No one ever said that. The best team most people thought was probably Texas Tech, and they're still hanging around. They've got a, you know, uh, they've got a chance. They're still in the big dance. So let's see what happens. But this whole anti-Big 12, I mean, geez, I don't know where that came from. But if you Google it, all of a sudden, and you know, maybe that's Google bias against uh, against the Big 12. You know, maybe we got to have Congress investigate this because this is getting way out of hand. The Big 12 anti-Big 12 bias is running deep now in Google and Silicon Valley. Even though Silicon Valley probably couldn't point out Stillwater on a map if you asked them to, or Waco for that matter, or Ames or uh, Manhattan, they would point to you know <laughs> Manhattan, New York, if you asked anybody to do that out in Silicon Valley. So I don't know what's going on, but. This is not some shocker to anybody that followed this conference this year. 
it's it's not. It was a very deep conference. It was not a top-heavy conference, and anybody that watched a little bit of Big 12 basketball knew that. So the fact that you got the Associated Press writing this stuff, I I found it shocking to me, and I it seemed totally out of line, to be totally honest. Totally out of line. Uh, Iowa State, by the way, gives a big contract extension. Not big, but they give a contract extension to, well, <laughs> big for you and I, but in terms of length extending from 2022 to 2025 for Steve Prohm, not surprised by that one bit. I know there was a loud minority of Iowa State fans who were really upset with Steve Prohm after his team got bounced by Ohio State in the NCAA tournament. I, it, it's not fair. You know, it's just not fair. We'll talk to Matthew Poston later in the show about this. He's our Big 12 insider, our Big 12 guru. But does Steve Prohm have some work to do? Sure. But I think every Iowa State fan would have signed up after Fred Hoiberg leaves for the NBA. And I get it. The mayor, uh, everyone wanted him to stay. Nobody thought he was ever going to leave. I understand every little bit of that. But Steve Prohm, you pull him from Murray State, and he gets to a Sweet 16. And yes, uh, you know the last few years have been disappointing when it comes to the NCAA tournament. He has not gotten back to the Sweet 16 level. But he has won you two Big 12 tournaments, which means you can drink all the bush light you want in the Power and Light District in Kansas City, which I know a lot of you like to do. <laughs> so I think you should be happy with Steve Prohm. And to look at this program and this university and see Steve Prohm and Matt Campbell running the two money-making programs. I think a lot of programs in the country would pay a nice chunk of change to have those two guys uh, leading their money-making sports. So I'm fine with the Steve Prohm extension. I think it's well-deserved. And you didn't want him going to Alabama. You don't want to start over. I mean, the loud minority that thinks Fred Hoiberg's going to come back and light the world on fire and the whole thing. I'm not saying you punish Fred Hoiberg, but gosh, these guys that leave college for the NBA when you're king of your castle. I get it. Hoiberg had his ties to the NBA with the Timberwolves and whatnot, but, and, and the Bulls major program, Midwest guy, the whole thing, legendary franchise, but you can see this coming from a mile away. These NBA guys where you end up in situations where all of a sudden it's like, wait, I don't have LeBron James. I don't have, you know, Derek Rose from 10 years ago. I don't have Steph Curry. I don't have Kevin Durant. Don't have Russell Westbrook. Jeez, this is a pretty tough gig. <laughs> and you don't get any leeway or flexibility at the pro level. It's not like, hey, this is a rebuilding year. Unless you're hired from the get-go as uh, somebody who is stepping in to a rebuilding process, you know, like a Kenny Atkinson with the Brooklyn Nets or something like that, then you have a little leeway. But when you're Fred Hoiberg walking into that job, uh, you know, they were expecting reasonable results as soon as possible, and it didn't happen. And we all knew it was going to end up like that for Fred Hoiberg, or at least a lot of us had a hunch it could end up like that for Fred Hoiberg. So any of these guys that always uh, consider the NBA, I tell them the grass is not always greener. Not that they're asking me personally. <laughs> I'm just saying on this show, I often try to voice that opinion, that the grass is not always greener. So coming up, what's the deal? Uh, should we be paying these college basketball players in the big dance? No, not paying them. But should we at least be helping the families get to some of these games in the NCAA tournament? I think we should. 
and I'll explain why coming up next on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. So is it time for the NCAA to wake up and actually put its money where its mouth is? Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, where your independent Big 12 digital media outlet appreciate you joining us and being a part of the show. You know, this came up uh, last week during the first round games. There was a moment for Kelvin Sampson, of course, the uh, former head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners, spent time in the NBA where he talked about how he has had players, didn't say present or past, whose parents can't see their kids play in the NCAA tournament because of finances. And it begs the question, should we at least be paying for these parents and families to see their kids play in a tournament that is grossing billions of dollars? Here's the clip from Kelvin Sampson in case you haven't heard it. It's not money, it's, it's travel. And, and hotel rooms. I had wondered, one of my kids, I'm not going to mention who it is, his parents would like to come, and the only way they could come would be to uh, drive. And, um, and then they'd have to get a hotel room, possibly for, uh, if they came in on Friday, they would be here Friday and Saturday night. For a lot of people, that's not a big deal, but, I, but that's a big deal for that family. They, they don't have the money to do that. So they would have to decide how they would do it. And I've had, I've had families ask me, can I sleep on my son's floor uh, in his room? Think about that now. You know, you just, you just, well, that's my life. That's not unusual for me. Uh, can I sleep on his floor? Because they don't have the money to pay for a room. But when you look around at, at how big this industry has become, why can't we figure that out? I'm not saying give them this or give them that. I'm saying that when uh, young men um, get to the NCAA tournament, let's find a way to get their parents and their um, brothers and sisters um, a plane ticket and a hotel room. I, I don't think that's asking too much. And Kelvin Sampson, the former OU coach, now Houston Cougars coach, could not be more spot on than what he said right there. You know, Danny Cannell pointed this out on Twitter that the college football playoff pays for families to go to the playoff. The NCAA is grossing a billion dollars or more on this tournament. And don't tell me, well, the profits are on. Stop. You ever run a business? You know what they're expensing? You know what they're writing off? My goodness gracious. Oh, the profits. Spare me. Spare me the BS, okay? You know it and I know it. You're telling me you can't pay for a kid's parents to fly from Houston to... Uh, wherever, I, you know, whatever it is, Des Moines for a first-round game of the NCAA tournament, really? You can't do that? With all the money that you're making, you can't get a couple hundred-dollar plane flight? Don't tell me what well, the parents should be responsible for it. You know what? I'm not somebody who thinks that we should be paying the players. That's I'm not there right now. I Maybe one day I've kind of developed my – thoughts on this and they have changed over time i'm not there yet my thinking is that you know there's only a handful of guys who actually transcend the value of their scholarship their room and board their training uh their tutors all those things and those guys are the big dogs the tim tebow's the johnny manzel's the baker mayfield's 
those guys transcend beyond what they're worth. But a lot of the guys that you never hear about that are uh, backups that, uh, you know, don't play much but are still getting the full ride, the tutoring, the room and board, they're not worth what they're getting in return. So I'm hesitant to go there. But the college football playoff is paying for families to go. The NCAA tournament needs to step to the plate, and they need to be able to say and admit, you know what, yes, we will pay for families. And, you know, fine, just immediate families, parents and siblings. We will pay for families to go to games for the NCAA tournament. Not conference tournament. That can go to the conference if they want to do it. But for the NCAA tournament, it is the right thing to do. I'm not going to sit here and rail on Mark Emmert, the NCAA president, making $2 million bucks a year. He runs a massive organization. He's paid as such. That's fine. But when you combine that with the young men who are basically the engine behind his biggest money-making event of the year, and they can't see mom and dad in person after making a game-winning shot in the round of 32 because of what? Preserving amateurism? And they're asking to sleep on their son's floor in the hotel because of what? Amateurism? You've got yourself a PR problem. And I don't mind continuing to bring this up. I don't mind making this a topic of conversation because it needs to be. You know, remember, for most of these kids, they're not going to the NBA. You got about 4,500 D1 basketball players each year. The NBA draft selects 60. They got two rounds of 30 a pop. And don't forget, a lot of the guys drafted, or at least a handful of overseas players who are not in college basketball. For almost all of these players, the biggest moment of their career, the pinnacle of their playing career, is this NCAA tournament. And for the parents who have sacrificed to see their kids play, whether it's AAU, uh, through high school, to now college, and have... uh, given their time and, and, you know, admittedly probably paid what they could, whatever little money or a lot of money that might be, to help their son along the way. And for them not to be able to see that kid in that big moment. Now, some of you are going to say, well, where do we draw the line, Pete? What about uh, the volleyball NCAA, whatever the volleyball, no offense, volleyball players, whatever the volleyball NCAA tournament is or whatever they call it. Okay, that's not a revenue-making sport. Volleyball players should be lucky they're getting scholarships because they can't make a dime for the school. They lose money for every school they're a part of. Same thing with track and water polo and soccer. They all lose money for the schools. So be grateful for what you got with a scholarship and, you know, kind of pipe down. I hate to say it. You're getting a scholarship in a day and age when college tuitions are – through the roof, they have exponentially grown beyond the rate of inflation, which is absurd and is a story for another day. Just be happy with what you've got. But when you're going to the NCAA tournament and you are the one who is providing this massive windfall of money, not single-handedly, but you're part of it. You know, you're, you're providing the NCAA with its funding for the year, essentially, and you can't get your parents there to see you play. It's a PR nightmare for the NCAA that it should not want to have to deal with in a time and an era when the NCAA has enough PR nightmares on its hand. It seems like on a daily, if not weekly basis. So this seems like a fairly easy fix. Does that mean they'll do it? Of course not. It's the NCAA. 
I mean, it's run as uh, incompetently as something can be run for the most part. And I had their good moments. But remember, college football, the playoff, the bowl games, that has nothing to do with the NCAA. They don't make money off that. They have nothing to do with it. This tournament is how they fund everything else they do for the year. So as you're sitting around uh, last weekend, sitting around this weekend, and you're drinking your beers and you're eating your wings and you're cheering on your teams or rooting against Duke like I hope we all are, uh, keep all this in mind. You know, somewhere you got a father, you got a mother, you got a sibling that's doing the same thing, sitting on their couch, watching TV. The difference is they've got a son playing, performing, providing value and entertainment for you and I, and they can't be there to watch him. That, to me, is a shame. That, to me, is a problem, and that, to me, needs to be addressed by the NCAA as soon as as possible, like in the offseason. Figure it out. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, where your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. It's always good to have you on board and being a part of the show. Coming up, recruiting rankings in college basketball for the Big 12 are looking pretty darn good, arguably better than the Big 12 is looking on the football side of recruiting. I'll explain it coming up next on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. So as we close out the show for the final few minutes, I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your Big 12 independent media outlet. You know, it's interesting. When you look at the college basketball recruiting rankings for 2019, The Big 12 is actually in really good shape, surprisingly good shape, and arguably, I don't even think it's all that arguable, better shape than the Big 12 is doing in football. Look at the basketball recruiting rankings, and in the top 16, you got three teams. You have Texas Tech at 14, and you know that Kansas is going to be there by the end of the year, right? Once things are all finalized, Kansas will be there. You have Texas Tech at 14, OU at 15, Texas at 16. That's three teams in the top 16. Let's go back to the 2018 recruiting class for college football, where when you look at it, you got OU at 8, and you have Texas at 4, and that's it. That is it for the Big 12 until you get all the way down to number 28 with TCU. And then... From 28 to TCU, you've got Baylor at 32, West Virginia at 33, uh, Oklahoma State at 35, uh, you know, and we keep going on down from there. But basketball, the Big 12, I mean, they are looking damn good with OU Texas and Texas Tech in the top 16. Then you got TCU at 23 in the top 25. You have Oklahoma State at 27. This is half of your conference in the top 30 in recruiting in the nation for basketball. And if you want to go one step further, K-State and West Virginia are 38 and 39, respectively. That's seven of 10 teams in your conference in the top 40, and you know it's going to be eight because Kansas right now is ranked at uh, 48th in the nation in recruiting on the college basketball scene, but that's going to change. That's going to improve. You know that Bill Self's going to find himself a couple of four or five-star guys. So... I know it was not a great year for the Big 12 when we talk about being top-heavy. Maybe Tech will surprise us, but for the most part, not a top-heavy year. We knew that going into it. We knew it all season long. I mean, we addressed this earlier in the show. 
But the Big 12 on the basketball scene is recruiting really well. And one thing I've noticed is that our basketball content on heartlandcollegesports.com does not do nearly as well as our football content, even in the offseason. Now, the basketball content does well. Don't get me wrong. It does well. And a big reason for that, the reason for that, is Matthew Postens, who does a fantastic job for us on the hoop side of things. But when you look at what is happening on the recruiting trail, the Big 12 is still trying to get itself going when it comes to recruiting on the football side. OU's cream of the crop in the conference. Texas is starting to get there, get back to being what Texas has been or you know was 15 years ago now. I can't believe I'm saying that, 13 years ago, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but outside of that, the conference is struggling. TCU has been in the top 25 for recruiting. Oklahoma State does not recruit as well as it should in football. I mean, Oklahoma State should be recruiting top 25 teams in football. Mike Gundy can say, I don't look at recruiting rankings. Guess what? There's a reason Alabama, Clemson, LSU, uh, Auburn are top 5, 10 every year. There's a reason for that. You can tell me you don't look at the rankings, but to tell me the rankings are irrelevant is being dishonest. When you look at who's up there and how things end up at the end of the season. Yes, there's the teams that overachieve, and yes, there's the teams that underachieve, but they are there for a reason. So that's exciting stuff for the Big 12 on the basketball side. Uh, If you missed it, mark your calendars, Oklahoma fans. You got a home-and-home coming your way with the Clemson Tigers in 2035 and 2036 per FBSschedules.com. This came down earlier in the week that said Texas and, excuse me, Oklahoma and Clemson have agreed to a home-and-home, yes, 16 and 17 years from now. The kids who are going to be playing in this game are currently in diapers They are running around their parents' floors in diapers, and they still are peeing themselves on a daily basis. Those are the kids that are going to be playing in this game. Who the heck knows what college football is going to look like by then? Football may be extinct by then. I'm not trying to get you all worked up. I'm not trying to ruin your day, and I say that tongue-in-cheek. But seriously, what a mess. What a mess for OU And uh, for Clemson, now, it might work out great. It might actually happen. These games might be played. I mean, are we even going to have conferences then, right? I'm just like, it's cool. You want to schedule with Clemson? I'm I'm good with that. But it's just, it's comical. It is comical. And there is a clause in the contract that says, the parties acknowledge the long-range nature of schedule planning and that games remain to be scheduled during the above years. Accordingly, the parties agreed to consider in good faith a modification in the date of a given year to accommodate other scheduling, i.e., we have no freaking clue what our sports, our conference, our teams are going to look like then. So if this doesn't work out, if this doesn't go as planned, we'll back out. I'm just glad it's a home and home and it's not at some neutral site because that neutral site, you know, might get knocked down in the next 15, 16 years, wherever it was going to be, you know? I mean, it might not even be here anymore. So you got to last sometimes. College football. Got to love it. Got to love it. 
Spring game's coming up the next couple of weeks as well. Can't wait for that. I'm Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. Thanks to all of you for joining us, whether it's on the radio, podcast, uh, YouTube, whatever it might be. We appreciate you being a part of what we are doing here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So have a great week. We've got a lot of content coming your way with spring games right around the corner. Thanks for joining us. And you know what? We'll do this again. Same time, same place next week right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. Hey guys, Pete Mundo, thanks as always for listening to the show. Please do rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. I uh, really appreciate you as always checking out the show and you know what? We'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie if you leave a rating and review and you screenshot that review and send it to me to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon.